Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to Code Breaker, presented by Underdog Fantasy. Many of you already know where this show will end up, as I've been hinting the past week on Twitter that Travis Etienne and his bad landing spot will be discussed. In one QB Dynasty formats, Etienne is the 101, but I'll cover that more in depth later on. If Travis Etienne is this episode's focal point is surprising to you, then you definitely aren't following me on Twitter, at JLarkyTweets, J-L-A-R-K-Y Tweets. Let me just say, it makes me angry to see Travis Etienne being disrespected by many members of the fantasy community. I've seen half a dozen rankings from reputable analysts where ETN is ranked after guys like Rashad Bateman and Trey Sermon. Not to ruffle too many feathers, but unlike a lawyer or a doctor, there's no competency test a fantasy football analyst has to take. You just show up one day on Twitter fully formed and start manufacturing your takes. There's no certification test that you need to pass to be granted your analyst card. Never will I understand why a brain surgeon needs to jump through multiple hoops and take multiple tests just to perform some casual brain surgery, yet the fantasy analyst reads one article on fantasy pros and is suddenly a waiver wire guru in Dynasty Rookie Draft Savant. Don't worry, we'll get to ETN. We'll discuss why Lamar Jackson possesses both the Konami code and the anti-Konami code. And you'll learn what I define as the anti-Konami code shortly. Plus, I have an exclusive interview today with one of the Podfather's favorite up-and-coming analysts. That's right, Mad Larky will actually be making an appearance on this podcast. So buckle your seatbelt. It's going to be a wild ride. Also, I want to share a team I recently drafted on Underdog with you. This is a tournament team for Best Ball Mania, their flagship tournament where first place gets $1 million. Gooey! Man, I'm excited. Let's dive into this team that I cannot wait to talk about. My quarterbacks are Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts. We've got two Konamis going on right now. The running backs, we're going hyper-fragile, we're keeping it simple. We've got Dalvin Cook, Antonio Gibson, Miles Gaskin, and Lombardi Lenny Fournette. And then at tight end, I have one of my favorite tight ends of this year, Darren Waller, as well as Anthony Ferkser. And as I like to say, Ferk around and find out he's going to be a tight end one this year. Just you wait. Are you keeping track? Two quarterbacks, four running backs, and then two tight ends. That means, oh baby, I allocated 10, count them, double digits, 10 spots for wide receivers. And my wide receivers are Brandon Cooks, Cole Beasley, Jalen Rager, Gabriel Davis, Josh Reynolds, Terrace Marshall, Christian Kirk, Brian Edwards, Anthony Schwartz, and Josh Palmer. We have Josh Allen stacked with Beasley and Gabe Davis. We have Jalen Hurts stacked with Rager. The Titans' passing offense should be incredibly consolidated, so Reynolds and Ferkser should capture a large chunk of the targets there. Another note, I have Waller ranked over Kittle for 2021. You might ask why. Because I want the guy who runs 
more routes per game, has quarterback continuity from last year, doesn't block so he's less susceptible to injury from collisions, and has weaker target competition. Kittle is competing with Ayuk and Debo, while Waller is competing with some combination of John Brown, Brian Edwards, Henry Ruggs, and Hunter Renfro. Also, the 49ers defense could be elite once again if they don't get hamstrung by injuries like in 2020. However, we know the Raiders defense will be softer than your favorite pillow, so it's a great chance for negative game script and more Raiders pass attempts. Unfortunately, I hate to say it, but you probably won't be able to create my best ball team anymore because Miles Gaskin is going too early now, but that's why you should get our draft kit and top 200 rankings for Underdog. We'll bring you the next week's news the week prior. Immediately post-draft, I was aggressively grabbing Gaskin in the 5th and 6th round before ADP caught up and people were still drafting him as if Miami would take a running back early in the 2021 draft. In fact, Miami didn't draft any running backs until round 7, so all signs point to Miles Gaskin as the lead back. I posted something controversial on Twitter last week, pitting Miles Gaskin against Austin Eckler, another guy I'm above consensus on. Both Gaskin and Eckler played in 9 games last year, and Eckler averaged a whopping 16.5 PPR points per game last year, while Gaskin also played 9 games, and unlike Eckler, he only averaged 16.3 points per game. Wait, what? Eckler had 16.5 points per game, Gaskin had 16.3 fantasy points per game. Both teams improved their offensive lines in the draft, as well as doing nothing to their running back rooms, aside from one selection each on day three. Give me Miles Gaskin all day and twice on Sunday in round five and six. And you know what? Still give me Miles Gaskin where he's going now in round four. It's all about these edge plays to gain an advantage in best ball. And you don't want to miss our rankings, team insights and trends, and downloadable cheat sheet. Get our draft kit today and you'll be blown away by how much more content is added to it in the coming weeks to ensure you crush your opponents on draft day. Playerprofiler.com slash draft kit. Not so fast. I have one more underdog fantasy anecdote. This one, <laughs> this one is for all the people out there that have already purchased their 2045 Hall of Fame induction ceremony tickets to watch Kyle Pitts enter Canton. Oh, do I love, absolutely love, drafting alongside Kyle Pitts enthusiasts. I can't believe how high his ADP is getting. To be completely honest, I was a little surprised when his ADP crossed into double digits. ADP 108, ADP 103 on underdog, sure, that's palatable. I mean, he's a generational talent. Maybe, probably, could be the best tight end prospect of all time. I get it. I've heard it. I've watched the highlights. I've analyzed his stats. But the ADP, to, it just kept, kept going on up. ADP 95, 85, 75, up, up, up. Right now, Kyle Pitts' ADP is currently sitting at 50. Seven. That's right. In redraft half PPR best ball on underdog, Kyle Pitts is going in the fifth round. And to that, I have one honest question for you. Was Mark Andrews' 2020 campaign exciting to you? Did you play pin the tail on Roger Goodell every time Andrews had a touchdown reception last year? Were you pissing your pants in anticipation every time Sunday rolled around because you couldn't get enough Mark Andrews in 2020 fantasy football. Mark Andrews had 58 catches for 701 yards and 7 touchdowns last year for a hefty 141.1 points in underdog scoring. That's 10 fantasy points per game. Holy shit, he was so good. If Mark Andrews had been a rookie tight end in 2020, his season would have tied the record for most fantasy points by a rookie tight end 
since 2000. That's how historically incredible Mark Andrews' season was. But for some reason, I don't think there's any more cheering. Pin the tail on Roger Goodell, that, that, that party has sailed. The Kyle Pitts chants, whoa, 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 they're starting to fade. And now you're realizing where I'm going with this one. To date, Evan Engram has the most half PPR fantasy points by a rookie tight end at 141.6. Mark Andrews had 141.1 last year. Second on the list of rookie tight ends after Engram is Jeremy Shockey, who had 138.4 fantasy points as a rookie in 2002. Gronk was next with 135.6 fantasy points when he was a rookie. I'll ask you again, if you're drafting Kyle Pitts in the fifth round, would you be excited if he has Mark Andrews' 2020 season? Because that right there is the current ceiling for a rookie tight end in fantasy football. Stop drafting Kyle Pitts at his ceiling. If you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Kyle Pitts is 100% guaranteed to have the best fantasy season by a rookie tight end in NFL history, then keep drafting him in the fifth round. However, if you're not going to be happy, if he delivers a 2020 Mark Andrews season, then guess what? You're not drafting Kyle Pitts at his median or average outcome. You're drafting him at his ceiling. Just because a guy is a generational talent does not mean he will automatically have by far the greatest rookie season in NFL history. That's not how this works. I can probably list two to three dozen players I prefer on underdog going in the same range or later than Kyle Pitts. Here's a guy at the same position. TJ Hawkinson, the Hawkman, 101 targets last season. And now Kenny Galladay, who he overlapped with for five games, and Marvin Jones, who he overlapped with for all 16 games, are both out of town. The replacements are Brashad Perriman and Amon Ra St. Brown. Safe to say, Hawkinson will have significantly less target competition than he did last year. So I would say it's fairly reasonable to project Hawkinson for a target increase. In 2020, TJ Hawkinson put up more fantasy points than any rookie tight end ever. And instead of getting him in the late fifth round like Kyle Pitts, you can get Hawkinson and his 110, 120 targets, 130 targets. I don't don't know how, how high can it go? You can get Hawkinson not in the late fifth like Pitts. You can get him a full round later in the late sixth round. I'm here to tell you the cold hard truth and to save you from yourself. Please, 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 please don't draft Kyle Pitts at pick 57 on underdog. I beg of you. And I'm happy to be wrong. I like Kyle Pitts. He's fun to watch, and I'll tune into most Falcons games in 2021 so I can watch him play. It's going to be a real treat to see his game translate to the NFL. But I don't draft guys at an ADP that requires them to have the best season in fantasy football history for their position. If I'm wrong on Kyle Pitts, that's fine. It's better to have 20 to 30 quiet victories and miss out on the Kyle Pitts victory lap than to have one major victory yet be fooled by the dozens of other fake outliers that exist. I'm not going to fall into that trap. Remember when Clyde Edwards-Alaire was a mid-first round redraft pick last season? Woof. I've seen many of the biggest voices behind grabbing CEH mid-first round in 2020 redraft leagues championing Kyle Pitts. Fantasy football is a lot of fun, and I play a lot of fantasy football and have a lot of fun. But do you want to know what is also fun for me? Making money. And I plan to make a lot of it this year by not drafting Kyle Pitts in the fifth round. There was a less than notable running back signing that occurred this past week, and I'd be remiss not to mention it. Remember that iconic scene from Lion King where they sing, It's the circle of life. Not all circles of life have happy endings, and I'm going to highlight one of them. Didn't you hear? The Eagles signed Carrion Johnson. The Detroit Lions' second-round pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, Carrion Johnson. He has been released by Detroit and has signed with the Eagles. Some on Twitter actually think 
Carrion Johnson is a threat to Miles Sanders, but those that hold this awful opinion haven't realized the circle of life that is at play here. Backstory number one. In 2019 at Memphis, Kenny Gainwell had himself a season as a sophomore with over 2,000 yards from scrimmage at running back. Gainwell was so incredibly efficient and productive that Memphis didn't even consider anyone else to be the lead back in that offense at any point in the season. We now know Antonio Gibson is an elite running back talent, but he could only muster 33 college carries in his Memphis career because of players like Kenny Gainwell monopolizing the running back work. So, to review 2019, we established that at one point, Gainwell was better than Gibson at running back. Backstory number two. Fast forward to 2020, and 35-year-old Adrian Peterson is cut from the Washington football team because they're so confident in Antonio Gibson's abilities. So now we have Gibson over Peterson. Backstory number three. Adrian Peterson goes to Detroit and ends up relegating Carrion Johnson to situational usage. 35-year-old Adrian Peterson was a better running back than 23-year-old Carrion Johnson. So to review, we have Adrian Peterson over Carrion Johnson. And now to recap, in the past two seasons, we've seen Gainwell over Gibson, Gibson over Peterson, and Peterson over Carrion. In the 2021 NFL Draft, I think you see where this one's going now. In the 2021 NFL Draft, Kenny Gainwell was taken by the Eagles in the fifth round to back up Miles Sanders. Now, in a sick and twisted circle of life that has come full circle, Carrion Johnson has been signed by the Eagles. For him to have meaningful playing time, he'll have to outplay Kenny Gainwell. The guy who relegated the guy who relegated the guy who relegated the guy and he himself has been drafted as a change of pace runner. For you to convince me at this point that Carrion Johnson will be fantasy relevant in 2021 or that this move is horrible for Miles Sanders, sorry, I just don't see it. By the transitive property, if A is greater than B and B is greater than C and C is greater than D, then A is greater than D and Gainwell is better than Carrion, and in this case, A, Kenny Gainwell, is actually a day three running back backing up Miles Sanders. Unbelievable. The Circle of Life, a winding tale of running backs that has shown no mercy for a 23-year-old back with the knees of an 82-year-old grandfather. If you thought Todd Gurley's knees didn't hold up and you feel bad for the guy, then I assume you're calling into a nearby landline to funnel some money carry-on's way for his future knee surgeries before age 25. Whoa, I didn't anticipate this segment turning into a full carry-on Johnson pile-on. In his defense, he's better at football than I'll ever be at anything, and he's made more money by age 23 than I'll probably make in my entire career. So there's perks to the knee surgeries. You've waited long enough, and I have a special guest for today's episode. Oh yes. An exclusive interview with Mad Larky. We'll be talking about Travis Etienne, Lamar Jackson, and so much more. Give me 10 seconds to grab Mad Larky and get him on the line and get those heads bouncing in anticipation. I'm here with Angry Larky. You can find him on Twitter at JLarkyTweets. That's J-L-A-R-K-Y Tweets. Before we dive into this interview, I'm just going to review a couple of your recent guest appearances on the Twitter timeline. You recently quote tweeted an official NFL fantasy football tweet where they released their one quarterback rookie rankings and had ETN at the seventh spot. You said, and I quote, ETN at seven, dot, dot, dot. These NFL fantasy people are really about to make me snap my phone in half. You also have a petty side to your anger that we can experience with this recent tweet from May 3rd, and I quote, probably buying an ETN jersey to signal to all the landing spot worshippers saying he's done because James Robinson is there, dot dot dot. 
I mean, holy shit, if an undrafted free agent scares you, then you should be terrified since Najee Harris is going to a team with fourth round pick Anthony McFarland. All right, we've given the listeners a taste of Angry Larky's past actions. Now, talk to the people about why you're so passionate that Travis Etienne is the 101 in this rookie class above Najee Harris. And a warning to the people, Angry Larky sounds a lot different than I do. Take it away, Angry. Break it down. Thanks for having me on, Josh. I've been doing a lot of research to prepare for this interview, and I know the people out there will appreciate this discussion. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry to interrupt. You don't sound any different from Happy Larky or Inquisitive Larky or Analytics Larky. Well, to answer that and put it bluntly, if you think the Director of Analytics is going to keep up a multi-personality bit for the remainder of this episode, you're a fucking idiot. On that partially schizophrenic note, we're going to pretend like that never happened. Now, let's get on with the show. Travis Etienne has suffered from a bad landing spot since James Robinson is on the Jaguars. Every single kid that was picked last for pick-up football games at lunchtime, all those people have grown up and become James Robinson zealots, obsessing over the undrafted guy, the last pick, who still made it. James Robinson's success represents so much more to every last pick in lunchtime pickup football games than I'll ever know, and unfortunately, it's now doing damage to their fantasy teams. Want to know how the last pick in lunchtime football games at recess is also last place in their best ball league? Because they continue to draft James Robinson over Travis Etienne. I'm not joking. About 25% of my underdog best ball drafts, I still see James Robinson go before Travis Etienne. The Jaguars believed so strongly in James Robinson and his skill set that they went out, put millions of dollars into draft scouting and research, and determined they wanted to take a running back in the first round to bolster their running back room. Sorry guys, Travis Etienne has arrived. Jacksonville is actually a dream landing spot. In Dynasty, you want your running back tethered to a good offense with a stable quarterback situation. The Jaguars happened to draft Trevor Lawrence with their other round one draft pick, a generational talent at quarterback. For Etienne's Jaguars career, he'll be lining up behind one of the greatest quarterback prospects of all time, surrounded by a talented wide receiver core that will keep defenses honest. The offensive line in Jacksonville has been improving the past couple seasons too. This is no longer a bottom-of-the-barrel unit. And then there's the shower narrative. Trevor Lawrence played quarterback for three seasons at Clemson, and all three of those seasons, Travis Etienne was the lead back. These guys are friends. They've been showering together for three years. They were national champions together in 2018. College quarterback and running back going to the same team in the first round of the NFL draft. A storybook ending to their college careers. There is always the fear with any prospect that they don't fit into the system or they don't get along well with their teammates or coaching staff. Fortunately, Nobody knows and appreciates ETN's skill set as much as Trevor Lawrence does, and that's his NFL quarterback. ETN had over 1,000 total receiving yards his past two seasons at Clemson, and nearly all of those came from the hand of Trevor Lawrence. But none of this matters, and we cannot be excited about Travis ETN because of undrafted free agent James Robinson. Yes, James Robinson had a ridiculous season last year. The team fed him over and over again, and his body held up for the majority of the season. He finished with over 100 total yards per game, 17 rush attempts and 3.5 receptions per game, 10 total touchdowns. Robinson's 2020 season has already gone down as one of the greatest performances by an undrafted player in NFL history, and he was a rookie, too. However, the Jaguars were tanking all of last year, they cut their starting running back in Leonard Fournette, and then Fournette's backup, Raquel Armstead, nearly died due to COVID. 
and his entire career is now in jeopardy. It is not normal for a team to cut their starting running back, then have their backup running back become a near victim of a deadly pandemic. The universe aligned ever so strangely for James Robinson to get heavy volume, but the writing is on the wall. The team drafted a running back in round one, and those players get fed. For this stat, I want to give a shout out to Mike, at Mike Lee Beecham on Twitter. We don't even follow each other, but out of nowhere, he DM'd me last weekend, sending over a screenshot of his handwritten notes concluding that first round running backs get a lot of touches as a rookie. Mike, I appreciate the effort to make sure this Codebreaker podcast happened. However, I hope it wasn't too much effort because I also pulled those stats in about 30 seconds on my computer using R. If you're new to Codebreaker, I use R. It's a free analytics programming language for all my work. And if you're interested in learning to code in R for analytics, I happen to teach a course on it. I get it. Learning to code is intimidating. And I put off learning to code my first two years of college for that exact reason. Even in grad school, I wasn't impressed with how I was taught coding. And I didn't like learning with really boring data sets. Every single homework assignment in grad school was credit card fraud data or housing prices data. Boring. I'll teach you to code in 6 to 12 weeks using only football data sets. I guarantee it'll be the most fun you'll ever have learning to code. And if you're interested in learning to code, I now have a promo code for podcast listeners to get 12% off their purchase. Go to thatrcodingsite.com. Again, as in the letter R, thatrcodingsite.com. And when you check out, use CodeBreaker. All lowercase, no spaces. Type in CodeBreaker as your coupon code and you'll automatically get 12% off your course purchase. And for those scratching their heads, wondering why 12% off? It's simple. The standard fantasy football league has 12 people in it. Duh. 12 team league, 12% off. If you play in a 16 team league, you still get 12% off. Returning from my sales pitch tangent, Mike DMs me on Twitter about the workloads of round one running backs in the NFL. As you could probably guess, these guys get fed. Since the year 2000, there have been 50 round one running backs and on average, they received 14 and a half opportunities per game as rookies. That's 14 and a half rush attempts plus targets per game. And that's a good number, but we can do better. Fewer teams are spending first round draft capital on running backs, as we've learned that many other positions have a greater effect on winning and losing games. So the teams in today's era that continue to spend first round draft capital on running backs really want to get that guy the ball in these more recent years. The past 10 seasons, from 2011 to 2020, there have been 14 running backs taken in the first round. We have David Wilson, who was taken in 2012 at pick 32, and he only had five opportunities per game as a rookie. Then, of course, how can anyone forget Rashad Penny getting under eight opportunities per game as a rookie in 2018, even with only 14 running backs taken round one the past 10 years? And already knowing that two of them were serious rookie busts, we still have a group that averaged 17.9 opportunities per game their rookie seasons, about 18 opportunities per game. Imagine if Travis Etienne were to have 13 carries and five targets per game as a rookie. He'd probably break out and crest 200 fantasy points. And that's not some crazy potential projection either. That's just taking the average amount of opportunities a round one running back gets and casually applying it to ETN. Before we get any further discussing ETN and his massive upside, I do want to acknowledge the other running back taken round one of the 2021 NFL draft, Najee Harris. An in-depth discussion of Najee's profile may become a future Codebreaker podcast, but for now, I'll leave all the Najee Harris landing spot enthusiasts with this message. Don't play Dynasty exclusively for year one. Sure, Najee Harris is a better bet for fantasy points than Travis Etienne in 2021 because there's no running back of consequence on the Steelers' current roster. I'm expecting Najee Harris to get 20 touches a game this year, maybe more. But while Etienne is on an ascending offense, 
reunited with his college quarterback, Najee Harris was shipped out to Pittsburgh, where he'll be lining up behind 40-year-old, half-an-elbow, beer-chugging, not-in-shape, alleged sexual predator, Big Ben Roethlisberger, and that dreadful Steelers offensive line that has been withering away due to age and a lack of incoming talent the past two seasons. Remember, you have these guys for their career, and for running backs, that usually means whichever team drafts them is the team that's going to see the majority of their production. Being realistic, Dwayne Haskins could be Najee Harris's quarterback sometime in the 2021 season, and even more likely will be his 2022 quarterback. Contrast that with ETN, who's locked and loaded with Trevor Lawrence for his entire career. This is not me saying that Najee Harris is a bad prospect, or that it's an egregious move to prefer Najee Harris. Personally, I prefer ETN, and will go into ETN's massive upside in the value of running back targets in a couple minutes. Najee Harris was a beast in the receiving game as a senior in 2020, just like ETN. While not quite as prolific in the passing game, Harris still offers some tantalizing upside if he can have Steven Jackson-type usage. But full disclosure, while I have stated my ETN preference, these two players are neck and neck in the breakout finder. Get the app. Get the breakout finder app. It's been updated, and the model has been rerun to include pro day measurables and draft capital. ETN is the edge over Najee Harris, sitting in the RB1 chair in this 2021 class, but it's very close. The wide receivers have been rerun as well, and Jamar Chase is still atop the wide receiver rankings, as he should be. Any site telling you Jamar Chase is not the best prospect in this class is giving out bad information, as the probability of success based on his entire profile it's head and shoulders above the rest. And if you're not ready to spend a few dollars on the Breakout Finder app, I understand and I respect your decision, but I'll respect you even more if you read the free content coming soon to BreakoutFinder.com, where our talented writers will be diving into the biggest running back and wide receiver movers from pre-pro day and pre-NFL draft to post-pro day and post-NFL draft which players rose and fell as we learn new information. Again, the articles will be totally free, and you can then purchase the Breakout Finder app after reading through that content to garner my full respect. Back to the value of running back targets. I know Rich Rebar has coined the term Konami code for mobile quarterbacks, as quarterbacks get two and a half times as many fantasy points per yard rushing as they do per yard passing, as well as 50% more fantasy points for each touchdown rushing compared to each passing touchdown. Well, if the Konami code for quarterbacks is rushing, then I propose the Konami code for running backs is pass catching. And I'm just going to kick the can again. Before I get into the specifics of the value of running back targets using R coding and play-by-play data, let's review ETN's pass catching prowess in college. ETN's final two years at Clemson He had 34 catches for 432 yards and 48 catches for 588 receiving yards, respectively. I wanted to know how the reception totals for round one running backs translated to the NFL. Specifically, I wanted to know how many receptions we can expect for ETN in his best seasons. I looked at a data set of a few dozen running backs drafted round one the past two decades, and I compared their highest college receptions total to their highest NFL receptions total. Overall, 90% of these round one running backs had a better receptions high water mark in the NFL than in college. 90%. I then looked at the average increase for 90%, the ones that had a better receptions total in the NFL than in college. And on average, these running backs' best NFL season had 2.3 times as many receptions as their best college season. I then repeated this exercise for these running backs second highest reception season in the NFL. It turns out even their second best NFL season was still 1.74 times higher than their best college season regarding number of receptions. I'm no math guy, but if we assume ETN is a fairly average first round running back, then we could multiply his 48 receptions from his best college season by 2.3 and by 1.7 to get his expected 
best and second best receptions totals in the NFL. That comes out to 110 and 84. Unbelievable. Imagine Travis Etienne with 110 receptions in his best NFL season and 84 receptions in another season. League winner. All right, pump the brakes. If we're being truly honest with ourselves, we shouldn't really expect 110 receptions from Etienne. And that's because there's a few outliers who had very few receptions in college, then had a massive amount in the NFL. Ladanian Tomlinson never had more than 16 catches in a college season, but he then had 100 receptions in the NFL. Leonard Fournette maxed out at 19 receptions in college, but then he had 76 in the 2019 season, 4Xing his best college total. If we only look at guys who had 35 or more receptions in their best college season, to remove anyone with the potential for four to six times as many NFL receptions as college receptions, again, now we're only looking at guys with 35 or more receptions in their best college season. Now we find the average increase is 1.65 times greater and 1.34 times greater for their best and second best season. If we multiply 48 receptions from ETN in 2020 in college, By 1.65 and by 1.34, we end up with 79 and 64 receptions. That's still elite. If ETN can have an NFL season with 79 catches and another season with 64 catches, I'm probably running Travis ETN rookie draft 101 victory laps at the Olympic trials. But why does that matter? Why is it so important for a running back to catch passes in fantasy football? I'm going to kick that damn can one more time. I'm going to kick that damn can one more time. Before going into the concrete value of running back targets compared to running back rush attempts, let's analyze Lamar Jackson and how he interacts with the skill position players in Baltimore for fantasy purposes. Last season, the Ravens threw the ball 406 times. The season before, they threw the ball 440 times. If those numbers don't mean much to you, I'll provide some context. Once again, the past two seasons, the Ravens recorded 406 and 440 total team pass attempts. The 2020 Buffalo Bills passed the ball 596 times, nearly 50% more than the Ravens' 406 attempts from 2020. Stephon Diggs commanded a whopping 166 targets in that Buffalo offense, which amounted to a 28% target share. That's massive. To compare, when Michael Thomas set the NFL record for receptions in a season in 2019, Thomas had just under a 32% target share. So Diggs having a 28% target share is very elite. Many wide receiver ones in team offenses have a 20-22% target share. What would a 28% target share amount to on the Ravens offense? Let's say we took a Stephon Diggs level talent and placed him onto Baltimore. We'll average the Ravens' pass attempts from 2019 and 2020 to give them a little more credit. Their 2020 attempts were only 406, so we'll average that with their 440 from 2019. When doing so, we have 423 pass attempts on average. A 28% target share in that offense is 118 targets. If you think Rashad Bateman is as good as Stephon Diggs, which he's not then you're looking at a 118 target ceiling in the current Ravens offense. That's just not that many targets. And I understand the argument that with better pass catchers, the Ravens will throw the ball more. Yes, maybe. What fantasy gamers have to realize is that the Ravens want to win ball games, and their offense has been very effective with Lamar Jackson. Last season, the Ravens scored on the 8th highest percentage of offensive drives in the NFL. In 2019, they scored at the highest rate of drives in the NFL. That sounds like an effective offense to me that I wouldn't want to tinker with too much. The Ravens aren't going to magically start passing the ball at a league average rate when Lamar, Dobbins, and Gus Edwards are all getting five to seven yards per rush and the offense is top five or top 10 in the league in scoring efficiency. Most of us play in PPR leagues for Dynasty. And earlier when I said that, while yes, Lamar Jackson has the Konami code as he's a mobile quarterback. I also said he has the anti-Konami code for his team's skill position players. The reason I say that 
is he doesn't pass very often. And even when he does drop back to pass, dozens of those intended pass plays result in Lamar Jackson improvised rushes. Let's reiterate the Konami code once more before outlining the anti-Konami code element of Lamar's game. In fantasy, a quarterback gets one point for every 10 rushing yards and one point for every 25 passing yards. Right off the bat, a rushing yard is two and a half times more valuable for your quarterback and a rushing touchdown is six points while a passing touchdown is only four. So rushing touchdowns are 50% more valuable in fantasy than passing touchdowns. But there's another side of this equation, the anti-Konami code. On a run play, the only fantasy points scored are from the rushing player, and they get credit for only yards and whether or not they have a touchdown. But on a passing play, the quarterback gets credit for the passing yards and potential passing touchdown, and then the receiver gets credit for not just the yards and potential touchdown, but they also get a free gimme fantasy point for the reception. If Lamar throws the ball 150 times less than another quarterback, that's around 100 completions that don't materialize. And 100 completions means 100 receptions, which is 100 fantasy points in PPR scoring. Not to mention, with fewer pass attempts comes fewer passing yards, which means fewer receiving yards. So, Rashad Bateman lands in Baltimore. He is now walking into a situation where there are fewer passes to catch and then fewer yards to be had for the receiving weapons. Here's a real-world, simple example of this dichotomy. Lamar Jackson runs the ball for 10 yards. That's zero fantasy points for his receivers. Lamar Jackson passes the ball for a 10-yard gain to Rashad Bateman. That's one point to Bateman for the catch, and then another point to Bateman for the yardage. So every time Lamar drops back and then tucks and runs it, he's taking multiple fantasy points away from his receivers. And that right there is the dark side of the Konami code, as it can negatively affect the players surrounding the mobile quarterback for fantasy. Lamar Jackson is a certified baller, but also a certified upside assassin, quietly hurting all Baltimore skill position players' fantasy upside. It's now the moment I've been hinting at again and again. The moment you've been waiting for. I combed through roughly 100,000 rows of play-by-play data to deliver the value of a running back carry and the value of a running back target for fantasy. Intuitively, you can probably guess that a running back target is better for fantasy than a running back rush attempt. But how much better, you probably wonder. I analyzed the past five years of play-by-play data in R, and I can put my salesman slash auctioneer hat on one more time. Do you want to learn to code an R for analytics like the Codebreaker himself? That are CodeExcite.com. That are CodeExcite.com. Promo code is Codebreaker. All lowercase, no spaces. Promo is Codebreaker. 12% off. Do not miss out on this podcast exclusive offer. Sure, I'll say that again. Do you want to learn to code an R for analytics and like the Codebreaker himself? That are CodeExcite.com. That are CodeExcite.com. Promo code is Codebreaker. All lowercase, no spaces. Promo is Codebreaker. 12% off. Do not miss out on this podcast exclusive offer. Anyway, I analyzed the past five years of play-by-play data in R, and the average rushing attempt by a running back is worth about 0.6 fantasy points on average. 0.6 fantasy points. That's all. Contrast that with the average running back target being worth just over one and a half fantasy points. Remember, that's one and a half fantasy points per target. So that's going to include incomplete passes with no fantasy points recorded. Put another way, the average running back target is worth two and a half times as many fantasy points as the average running back rushing attempt. What about the hollow touches? Anything between the 20s. The average rush attempt between the 20 yard lines is worth 0.48 fantasy points, while the average running back target between the 20s is worth 1.44 fantasy points. Between the touches, between the 20s touches are worth three times more for fantasy when they're in the form of a passing attempt than a rushing attempt for your running back. And what about goal line touches, you may ask? A rushing attempt by a running back within five yards of the goal line is worth 2.58 fantasy points on average. A running back target within 5 yards of the goal line is worth 3.44 fantasy points. 3.44 versus 2.58. 
So even when your team is about to score and you're salivating at fantasy points for your running back, you should root for him to get a goal line target over a goal line rush attempt. No matter what, you want your running backs in fantasy football to get targets because each reception is a free point on top of the yardage and potential touchdown. Returning to Travis Etienne and how running backs taken round one average around 18 opportunities per game their rookie season. If we do a general estimation that ETN gets 13 carries and 5 targets per game, and knowing that the average rush attempt is worth 0.61 fantasy points, and the average target is worth 1.53 fantasy points, then Travis ETN, in an average world, would average 15.6 fantasy points per game as a rookie. And that would be a hair above what Jonathan Taylor put up as a rookie last season. Running back targets are their Konami code for running backs. You want your running back to get targets. Take Derrick Henry's 2020 season as an example. The guy had almost 400 rush attempts, over 2,000 rushing yards, and 17 rushing touchdowns. One of the craziest rushing seasons in NFL history. And you know what? For his historic effort, Derrick Henry was nothing more than the RB3 in fantasy, behind both Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook, even though Dalvin Cook played in two fewer games than the big dog. So there you have it. If you want your running back to be the RB1 in fantasy, he has to catch passes. Going back to the upside assassin himself, Lamar Jackson. That's why we're well below consensus on J.K. Dobbins for 2021. It's tough to see him catching enough passes to have an elite ceiling any given week. Not to mention, it's a three-headed backfield with Lamar and Gus Edwards both likely handling 8-12 to 12 rush attempts each per game. Another fun stat I threw up on the Twitter feed at JLarkyTweets was Travis Etienne and Najee Harris's rush attempts per touchdown in college. This one isn't really predictive, but it illustrates to some extent that Etienne is an explosive player that should command goal line work in the NFL. Now, Najee Harris, all 230 pounds of him, had a rushing touchdown every 13.9 rush attempts in his college career. Every 13.9 rush attempts, Harris scored a touchdown on the ground. And that's very good. Give him 250 carries in the NFL, and that would equate to 18 rushing touchdowns. But Travis Etienne, with his big playability and home run speed, had a rushing touchdown every 9.8 attempts, nearly 50% higher than Najee Harris. Much to everyone's chagrin, I will not be ending this episode with a four-year projection for Travis Etienne. However, I'm working on projections for our draft kit right now, so you'll get to see those in the world-famous draft kit very shortly. Head on over playerprofiler.com slash draft kit. No four-year projection for Etienne, like I've done on past Codebreaker episodes, but I'm working on draft kit projections right now. So you'll get to see those in the world-famous draft kit very shortly. If you want to purchase it, go to, once again, playerprofiler.com slash draft kit. We already have our top 200 underdog best ball rankings live, along with a downloadable cheat sheet, as well as insights on all 32 teams. And we'll be adding the full player projections redraft rankings, and more very, very soon. Again, smash that purchase button on our draft kit to make sure I never have to wear business casual attire in a corporate work setting ever again. And finally, special thanks goes out to Angry Larky for finding time to join me on this episode. Hey, Angry, do you have any final words of wisdom for the listeners? Nope. This one is for all the people out there that have already purchased their 2045 Hall of Fame induction ceremony tickets to watch Kyle Pitts enter Canton. Oh, do I 
love, absolutely love, drafting alongside Kyle Pitts enthusiasts. So every time Lamar drops back and then tucks and runs it, he's taking multiple fantasy points away from his receivers. And that right there is the dark side of the Konami code. So even when your team is about to score and you're salivating at fantasy points for your running back, you should root for him to get a goal line target over a goal line rush attempt. If ETN can have an NFL season with 79 catches and another season with 64 catches, I'm probably running Travis ETN rookie draft 101 victory laps at the Olympic trials. Now, in a sick and twisted circle of life that has come full circle, Carryon Johnson has been signed by the Eagles. For him to have meaningful playing time, he'll have to outplay Kenny Gainwell, the guy who relegated the guy who relegated the guy who relegated the guy, and he himself has been drafted as a change of pace runner. Yet the fantasy analyst reads one article on Fantasy Pros and is suddenly a waiver wire guru in Dynasty Rookie Draft Savant. Did you play pin the tail on Roger Goodell every time Andrews had a touchdown reception last year? If you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Kyle Pitts is 100% guaranteed to have the best fantasy season by a rookie tight end in NFL history, then keep drafting him in the fifth round. Najee Harris was shipped out to Pittsburgh, where he'll be lining up behind 40-year-old, half-an-elbow, beer-chugging, not-in-shape, alleged sexual predator Big Ben Roethlisberger, as well as Anthony Berkser. And, as I like to say, Ferk around and find out. He's going to be a tight end one this year. Just you wait. Wait, what? Eckler had 16.5 points per game. Gaskin had 16.3 fantasy points per game. The Jaguars believed so strongly in James Robinson and his skill set that they went out, put millions of dollars into draft scouting and research, and determined they wanted to take a running back in the first round to bolster their running back room. That Travis Etienne and his bad landing spot will be discussed. That's 10 fantasy points per game. Holy shit, he was so good. If Mark Andrews had been a rookie tight end in 2020, his season would have tied the record for most fantasy points by a rookie tight end since 2000. To answer that and put it bluntly, if you think the director of analytics is going to keep up a multi-personality bit for the remainder of this episode, you're a fucking idiot. But none of this matters, and we cannot be excited about Travis Etienne because of undrafted free agent James Robinson. The circle of life, a winding tale of running backs that has shown no mercy for a 23-year-old back with the knees of an 82-year-old grandfather. <laughs>